Wrestling Radio Show. We got a great guest on today. Very long list of accolades. Uh, Two-time Pennsylvania State Champ. He's a Hall of Fame member in the state of Pennsylvania. Three-time EIWA finalist. Three-time NCAA qualifier. Multiple-time record holder here for most pins in a single season and most um, career pins at Army. Wally Crum Award recipient, Mike Natvig Award recipient, and USMA Class of 1993. We got on about to retire, Holberg Colonel David Warnick. Welcome to the show, sir. Appreciate you coming on. No, thank, thank you guys, and uh, really appreciate you doing this. Uh, watched uh, some of your podcasts, and this is great uh, to see what you're doing here and gives us a better contact and feel for what's going on at the Academy uh, wrestling program wise today and uh, get to see some of those faces that we just read about in the scorebooks or in the, in the uh, results pages and, and uh, get to know them a little bit more personally. So I think it's an awesome thing you guys are doing. Appreciate that. We, uh, I think us starting to start this is starting to do exactly what we're trying to make it to do, you know, given that Gavin recommended you coming on. So it's almost like, you know, bringing the old with the new and getting everybody to communicate a little bit more. Exactly. Uh, effectively, it's, it's, it's a good thing. I'm excited. No, it really it did uh, some, some good things. It inspired guys around my age group. Uh, one of our my classmates, uh, Ray Ardondo, uh, has recently set up socials with uh, Zoom calls with our, our time frame. Uh, it wasn't specific to our, our class of 93. Uh, we had some 92 and some 94 guys in there as well. Uh, but we've had three or four of those uh, socials where uh, we think back to the, the good old days and our, our times at the academy and wrestling and where we've crossed paths in our careers uh, since. And uh, I think you've inspired a little bit more of that type of thing as well. Uh, and it's great to reconnect with all those guys. Awesome. Well, that's great to hear. Yeah. Uh, Colonel Ardano, he's, he's, he's a, he's an awesome guy doing a lot of, doing a lot of good things. Yeah. Ray, Ray's a good guy. So, um, Kind of starting out, you know, we want to you know, do it chronolog chronologically a little bit. You know, you had a lot of success coming out of high school, two-time Pennsylvania State champ. Jordan left it off, but, you, you know, you, you won the Dapper Dan match. I, I wanted to include that in your accomplishments because I think that's, you know, that's a, it's a big deal in Pennsylvania, especially, you know, in Dapper Dan in, in the 80s and 90s was a, was a really competitive uh, match. So uh, what made you choose West Point? I know West Point had some really good teams around that time frame as well. Um, that may have contributed. You know, talk to us a little bit about that and why, why you uh, selected West Point. Yeah, so uh, my, my dad was a high school guidance counselor, counselor and, uh, and so he helped me kind of navigate that, that field of you know, what, what you uh, look for in a school. Um, and you're, you know, even the, the best of, of wrestlers aren't really going to make that a, a career. And so uh, use that, that, that uh, God-given talent that you've been given to get yourself uh, an education and, and head start on a career field that, that uh, uh, was, was you know, going to get you to where you wanted to be in life in general. And so that was kind of how viewed going into, you know, the selection of, of where I wanted to go. And I didn't have anybody in my family that had ever been in the military. And so it was, uh, you know, a little bit different uh, being recruited by, by an academy. Uh, but uh, Jack Spates came came to my house, my little podunk town of Myersdale, Pennsylvania, uh, and he showed me pictures of the guys wrestling on the beaches in Hawaii for the tournament that they used to go to. Showed me a list of the Fortune 500 companies and where West Pointers were sprinkled throughout there. 
showed me a lot of their, their wrestling of what who they had recruited, who else was coming into the classes, what they'd done in the past uh, couple of years. Uh, and so it seemed like a, a, a really, really good option. Um, wasn't hundred percent sold just again, because of my lack of, uh, having a, somebody that was in the military, in my family, uh, plus my grades probably weren't all that great. Uh, so going to the prep school was, uh, probably the best thing for me. Um, I had a couple of other colleges interested in me. Princeton, uh, recruiter came to my house. Uh, but there was just something about what they explained about the West Point program that I liked. And, uh, so went through the prep school, uh, got to meet some of the other guys there, uh, TJ Wright, uh, with Ray Arredondo was there as well. Uh, some other, other folks that uh, didn't go to the academy, uh, but formed friendships with them, started to feel a little bit more like I understood what the military lifestyle was after I did about 8 billion push-ups in the parking lot on the first reception day there. <laughs> uh, but uh, that was kind of, Kind of what uh, drove me to, to go to West Point was um, looking at it. What do I want to do beyond wrestling? Uh, and the doors that, that wrestling had opened up for me. But I also wanted to wrestle in a top 20 program. And so if you start looking at, at the schools that, you know, academically uh, are going to prepare you and give you that opportunity on the wrestling mat too to continue to pursue your uh, individual goals in athletics, uh, it, was a, it was a good choice. And I absolutely no regrets at this point for, for making that that selection it's interesting to hear through the through the years the different i hate to use it like recruiting pitch but what they were saying to people at the time uh like when we talked to mr steamledge uh, you know his prior vietnam it's like what they were telling him was really not all that different than what it sounds like they were telling you and then once we get into post 9 11 and it was kind of a totally different conversation a lot of the same things still occurred but um maybe with a different spin on it and and i understand that you come from a wrestling family uh much like most people it's not just one son it's multiple your brother was pretty tough too did that just not work for him that pitch or just, yeah you know, well my dad was back. my dad was our, our head wrestling coach and uh my brother was a year and 14 days younger than me but bigger than me. and so uh we were kind of like twins uh, and just beat on each other all the time uh, he also went to the prep school and, uh, when he got there, uh, it just didn't, didn't seem like as, as good of a fit as I, I felt, uh, we'd have loved to have had him up, up at, uh, West Point with me. I think he would help, uh, round out the, the lineup a little bit. Um, but he decided to go to Harvard instead and, uh, went on to do great things up there. He was the Ivy League freshman of the year, uh, and, and uh, did, did, did well. Uh, ended up giving it up about halfway through his college career, but uh, just uh, one of the one of those few guys that I've ever wrestled that I thought could beat me. Yeah, on that topic, because we just interviewed my brother uh, on the last episode. Did you um, did you tell him much to prepare him before he came to use maps, or did you let him come in blind like my brother <laughs> did to me? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, well. It was pretty blind. Uh, I, I just I didn't talk a lot about anything that I was doing, and that continued even when I went to West Point. Um, my my sister ended up following following me up there, and uh, about ten years later, she's class of two thousand and two. I was a track star and threw javelin. Was the first four time Patriot League champion when when she got to West Point. Um, but uh, 
she would invite my parents up to 100th night, ring weekend, those things. And I'd never invited them up. And so <laughs> they were like, we could have been coming to all these things and all this history tradition. And yeah, I, I just, I just, I just wasn't good about those types of things. So now I gave my brother no fair warning. Uh, everything was, was new to him uh, as well. And maybe, maybe I should have uh, given him a little bit of a heads up and perhaps he would have ended up coming to West Point with me. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so what was West Point like back in like the late 80s, early 90s? Um, you know, you mentioned your sister, you know, went there. So you've probably been back several times. You know, what are the biggest changes you've seen there, you know, between now and then and how it was back then? No, I, I think a, a lot of people talk, uh, you know, the Corps has or, you know, back in when I was a cadet and think that it's really changed. But uh, really the, the fundamental mission of what they do there is still the same and they provide leaders of character. Uh, how they go about doing it's a little different. You know, uh, we were the last class that had to square the corners and walk on the walls. Uh, and then, you know, there's been some increased freedoms, I think, that have been given that are a good thing. Uh, you don't want to have uh, socially retarded lieutenants going out there that aren't able to interact with society and try to cram four years of their, their college experience into, you know, an OBC time period. Uh, just doesn't make for for good sense. Uh, but as long as they're still providing that that uh, that uh, enough of stripping you down and making sure that the army values are your values, uh, how they can go about that uh, differently over time and adjust as the times change, I think they've done a what a good job of it. Um, the facilities up there have continued to evolve and, and maintain a lot of the the historic look to it, uh, but become more modernized. Uh, so I think uh, the academy just looks looks terrific. Last few times I've been back, uh, I actually got married there in '98, uh, and uh, I was uh, surprised at at uh, being able to get the slot. My, my wife and I only decided to get married like three or four months earlier, and it was a June wedding when all the guys graduating are normally getting married, but uh, somebody had uh, either broken it off or whatever <laughs> happened. And, <laughs> uh, ended up helping me out, and I, I got to got to have that. He also had the Thayer Hotel for the reception, which fell into our hands nicely as well. Um, oh. But yeah, I, I think it's a, uh, it's not a lot different in um, what their overall mission is, how they go about it. I think it's still uh, still that that premier uh, military institution that, it, that it's always been. One of the things that definitely has changed is. Uh... I was talking to somebody about this the other day is they have a, I don't know if you've seen this, sir. They got a sports nutrition bar up in the gym where you can get like snacks pre-prepared, making it super easy for the guys that are cutting weight and stuff. Much like most 125 punters that come in, they don't stay 125. You started at 126 and then, uh, you know, you ended up moving all the way up to 142. Was that just a natural growth progression? Was that too much uh, Chris Pito's and Stromboli in the mess hall? What, <laughs> what, what yeah. Yeah, so most people think that the benefit of being able to sit on a core squad table is that you get to eat and not be yep. harassed as a, you know, a plebe or, or whatnot. Uh, I was cutting weight, so I would just sit there. And, you know, that was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty terrible. Uh, but no, I, I graduated uh, high school when I one stage my senior year is 105 pounder. And so wow. they were recruiting me for 118 at best. 
Uh, but I was a real late bloomer. I didn't didn't uh, hit my real growth growth spurt until about about 18 years old. I show up at prep school weighing about 140, and uh, you know, and I wasn't going to cut weight at prep school that much. Uh, so I think I wrestled 34 when I was at, at prep school, and just grew into that. And so then when I I ended up going to West Point the next year, uh, I was a struggling to get to 26 and uh, was able to make 26 first couple years and make 34 my my uh, junior year and then my senior year I was actually at 34 and I wrestled most of the season 34 and then I just got got sick at the end of the, the season and uh, ended up having to bump up to 42 uh, at the end which uh, I guess if you look back and you have, have regrets um, I, I really wish I'd a figured out a way to get back down to 34 at the end of the season. And uh, I was ranked number three in the country uh, in the, in the December timeframe. And then uh, ended up having to bump up to 42. And it was the first year I didn't even qualify for, for nationals. Uh, so this was uh, not a good way to cap a, a wrestling, wrestling career. I can, uh, I can relate on many accords, unfortunately. Um, I'm sitting here and I'm uh, interested. This is an off-the-cuff question, but uh, unlike you two gentlemen, I'm not a graduate of the University of Maps, so I'm curious. Maybe where was it? Where was it at? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You. Where was it at at the time? Was it at Monmouth? And what was Use Maps like? I'm sure it's changed quite a bit too. Yeah. It, when I went, it was at uh, Fort Monmouth, New Jersey. Uh, and it was a, a great, great year. I mean, we really, really um, got to, because it's a, a collection of student athletes, primarily. Uh, you got to play a bunch of sports. Uh, I played baseball while I was there as well. Uh, and you know, led the team in batting and uh, got the gold glove award at the end of the year. Uh, played, you know, pickup games with uh, throwing a lacrosse around and, and, really just had a little bit of that, that transition of life from flying, leaving the nest from your, your, your home high school and family uh, mm -hmm. to, to being out there a little bit on your own. So uh, I've still got a bunch of prepster friends that uh, we still stay in touch today. Uh, and there's that connection. Had I not gone there, my R day would have been even so much worse than it, than it ended up being anyhow at West Point. Uh, it was, uh, it was good for that maturity process as well uh, for me and uh, settle into the growth spurt that I'd, that I'd hit as well. Yeah. So you kind of hit on it um, before kind of with your, you know, struggles through the season. You know, I read an article um, as we were preparing for this, you know, talked about the, the grind of the college season matched with West Point and that kind of contributed to maybe not have as much success, you know, at the end of the year. Um, and I think in the article quoted, I mean, they did NCAAs and, December or January, you know, probably would have, the season would have probably looked a lot different. Uh, can you speak to that and kind of maybe, you know, what you learned then and maybe what it taught you for the future? Yeah. Uh, for me in particular, just the, you know, the, the weight loss, I think, uh, and then the regular cadet life. Uh, I didn't, I didn't balance those things real well. I mean, West Point's a, a, obviously a, a demanding, demanding school outside of being a division one athlete. Uh, and so when you compounded all those things, uh, I just tended to wear down throughout the season. And uh, 
I, I really, you know, peaked sometime around December. I mean, when you've got a season that's October to April, uh, and then if you wrestle freestyle and Greco after that, you're really only having two, three months off uh, per year. Uh, and so I never, uh, never really uh, hit the, the nationals uh, where I was peaking. Uh, like I said, my, my December timeframe, I, I remember my uh, freshman or my plebe year, I uh, went out and I wrestled Jack Kubo, who was a two-time national champ from East Stroudsburg. Wrestled him in East Stroudsburg Open. He just graduated. And, uh, you know, he, he had set some ungodly record for takedowns. So I go out and I'm wrestling him. I take him down and I'm winning the match. And uh, we battle and I hung in there. I think I ended up losing by three to him by, by the end, but it was a, a close match through the first couple periods. Uh, but I, I was a better wrestler in in uh, that time period. Uh, senior year, we went to a triangular meet at uh, Penn State Duels and it was us, Cornell, and Penn State. And uh, in that time, uh, Mark Ferguson, uh, Cornell was number one ranked. I beat him uh, by two points. He beat Kerry Collot by two points. And Kerry Collot beat me by one point in, uh, in the triangular. And the next week's rate rankings, we were one, two, three in the country. Uh, and so I just felt like I, I had uh, much more potential than what I did uh, at the end of the season. And it's unfortunate the number of All-Americans that I beat that I, I couldn't hang that on for a, a folk style, a collegiate style, uh, the, my record. But uh, it did prepare me. Uh, I think that was the second part of your, your question um, for uh, just the, the, the grind that, that is, you know, an Army career. Uh, you, you're constantly uh, reevaluating yourself and constantly uh, facing those challenges um, of, you know, balancing that work and personal life uh, challenges. And uh, I think I did a pretty good job of it. I've got a beautiful wife and two daughters that, stay by me for some unknown reason and uh, I think I've had a, a pretty successful career and been able to, to uh, use those lessons learned from the wrestling and the grind that's associated with that uh, to pick out what's important and focus on it in my, my career and personal life as well. It certainly is a long season. I'm, I'm right there with you. Are you familiar with, uh, we used to call it on my high school, the stud rule? Not familiar with that. What is it? The stud rule is if I beat Brian and Brian beats you, that means I can beat you. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to go back and edit out the part where Colat beat you. We're just going to play off the <laughs> and crush him. <laughs> Keep that going. Yeah, well, I, it's it's okay to, to have a, a few losses on the record, but uh, yeah, all right. that, that, one, that one hurt. They, Penn State forfeited the first two weights, and uh, we were the first actual match in that duel. And I'll so take the buzz out of it. Get out. Yeah, so, but it's good. Do you have a most memorable match or maybe a duel meet that's kind of vivid? Yeah, I, I, I'll actually say uh, – my very, very first match, and this is back, and I don't, I don't think they're wrestling in Arvin anymore. Um, very first match, uh, we had a guy get hurt, so I, I bumped up a weight, 
and I was wrestling a returning uh, All-American John Epperly from Lehigh. And I think he, or maybe he was an All-American, but he was ranked number six in the country at the time. And uh, they threw me into the lineup against him. And the, the core is just lining the, the brings in, in the track in Arvin, a bunch of people on the floor. Uh, Lehigh was a nationally ranked team. We were, I think, just outside of the, the top 20 at that point. And uh, I go out and we just get into a, some scrambles and flurries and put him on his back a couple of times. He gets me on my back. And uh, then finally I, I catch him and stick him and the place just goes nuts. And it was just this, this old core feeling in that building uh, with all the dust and the whatever other stuff is kicking around in there from the ages. Uh, but it, it was, that, that was probably uh, one of my, my most memorable matches that, that, that I've ever had. Uh, and then I think, uh, Navy match my uh, cow year, uh, another one where where went out, got into a couple of scrambles with a pretty good kid uh, from their side, and uh, we hadn't beat Navy for like 34 years, uh, and and just wanted to break that streak. We knew we were going to be close, and uh, I ended up sticking him, and. Uh, Things didn't turn out that well for the team, but I, I thought that that was, you know, going to be a catalyst to get us going because yeah. uh, I wasn't expected to, to pin him. Um, but uh, unfortunately, fell fell a little bit short. I think we lost uh, lost by four. Uh, came down to the heavyweight match and uh, just didn't have it. Yeah. When you're talking right. about the uh, gym and the track and all that, you're, you're uh, referencing Hayes Gym, correct? With IOCT is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a great place. We wrestled a few matches there and then uh, gradually wrestled the majority of them up in the Hollander Center, uh, probably my last two years there. Uh, one year, I think we had to charge like a dollar for people to come in. Uh, it was some weird thing where it, we had to be a uh, revenue sport in order to be able to, to utilize the facility or something. But I think that, that ended up going away at some point. Some goofy rule, yeah. I always wanted to wrestle in Hayes Jam. I, I was begging them when I was there. I thought that would be really cool. And I pictured, you know, all the kids that are at the football stadium in their dinosaur costumes and all that stuff hanging off the off the rafters, just going nuts. But <laughs> and it Oh, it was great. And they would start jumping up and down. Uh, I mean, you, you just felt like you were back in the, in the 20s at some illegal event, you know. Taking place. It was, it was awesome. Great, great venue. When I was there, we had wrestle-offs in Hayes Jam a few years. Yeah, we did ours. We did ours there, and I think we did the, uh, the prep school versus the uh, JV uh, West Point team was in there as well. Yeah, yeah, when I was at prep school, we did, the, we did it up in Hayes Jam too. Good environment, as long as you didn't breathe too heavy. <laughs> yeah, it probably helped you in COVID now, though. <laughs> yeah, build up some immunity for it. Well, that'd be a decisive advantage for the Army team. They'd be a little more used to it, to the, yeah. the dust. <laughs> so I, I have to ask, and this is bad radio because the viewers don't see this, but if, if they went to West Point, they know of that, of that poster. Hopefully we can get Jordan to, you know, during this part of the segment, uh, for the people that watch on YouTube, they can see the, the poster 
being up. But I was, I remember seeing that. I didn't realize that was you until we became Facebook friends, you know, the last couple of days. And I, I was like, whoa, I was like, I remember looking at that, you know, can you talk a little bit about what that match, you know, I don't even, I couldn't even see what, who that was, if it was Navy or if it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, that, it, it was uh, what I was just talking about. That was a uh, cow year. We thought we could get Navy and I go out and uh, pick up a, pick up a fall. And I come off the mat, and that's me pointing at the guys saying, this is the year. This is the year. And, uh, <laughs> man, we, we just – it was so close. Uh, I had a couple matches that, uh, that just didn't quite go our way where we thought we'd sneak out a win. Uh, T.J. Wright, uh, co-captain friend of mine uh, at 190, he went out and uh, decked his, his uh, opponent. And he was another highly ranked guy, uh, which gave us a – chance I think we were down one going into the heavyweight and just uh didn't didn't quite make it happen but great 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 uh to see that that poster I put it up every army navy uh wrestling match as my facebook page uh, <laughs> we're going I, I, I you know I, I didn't get to beat navy from a wrestling team and in fact the streak continued for another 4 years after I graduated but I can claim that while I was there as a graduate assistant, that I recruited the class that was the first one to beat Navy in like almost 40 years. There so we go. I got I got a little bit of, of pride over Navy at some point. That's cool. <laughs> I think the poster hung in the, the team room when I was there. I, hopefully it's still there. But uh, if the people can't see it, it's, it's, it's David and he's pointing and he's kind of like high stepping as – the Navy guy's laying on his back and complete and utter defeat. And uh, the crowd seems to be going crazy. It's, it's cool. Yeah. We'll, so, use that, we'll use that as a cover photo for the episode. Of course. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we had some cool posters, too, while we were going through there. We had a couple that were on uh, horses, the young guns. Uh, I, I've got a few of them. Coach Efner, well, I went back to see him uh, sometime after I, I graduated. I can't remember why. Uh, or maybe it was when I was just before I got married, we were swinging through and he gave me a few of these old posters that we still had. So I've got uh, ones from almost every year when, when we were up there. That's cool. I'd like yeah. to see those if you can send them to us. This yeah, particular poster at the bottom uh, has in quotations, pin to win. That was one of the things I wanted to ask you. So you hold the pins record already for most pins in a single season as well as uh, total career. What was, what was it that you were pinning people with? Was it a specific move? Was it a series? Um, and with most people that are frequent pinners, it's typically an attitude on top of that. So maybe give us kind of what was your, your thing? Yeah, uh, I, I was a little bit more of a counter wrestler, and I liked wrestling on the mat. And so I wasn't a real slick uh, on my feet guy. Uh, so when guys would shoot, I get a nice neck wrench and I torque some guys over like that. Uh, plus I was, I was funky before funky became normal. Uh, I watch wrestling nowadays and man, I'd have probably had a hundred pins if I'd have been wrestling in this era. Uh, Cause guys are just willing to put themselves in danger. And uh, you know, my style was more of uh, giving them a, you know, a, a position where they thought that they could, could attack me and uh, then counter it from there. And then on top, I had a real good spiral ride and a half Nelson. 
Uh, and that's probably what I turned and, and pinned the majority of the guys with um, the local beat sports reporter. Uh, I can't remember his name. He, he was, uh, he passed away about five or six years after I left, uh, but he coined the name hangman for me. And so uh, all the articles that he would write about uh, our wrestling matches, when he would get to me, he'd say, and the hangman led another man to the gallows today and did whatever. <laughs> Uh, but it was a really, really uh, interesting nickname that I took a bunch of crap for from the guys, but so be it. But yeah, that was that was it. And I, I just think that um, they've really done a lot more things with the rules of wrestling to encourage more falls. I think that's what's going to make our sport gain even more popularity than it, than it already has. Uh, make it exciting. Make people go out there and, you know, throw some, some big stuff at guys and uh, reward them for pinning and turning them to their back. Uh, it's the, the oldest and noblest sports where you know you put two people of equal size in a confined area and you say go. And there's like four or five things that you're not allowed to do, and one of them's run away from your opponent. Uh, so what what a great arena and venue that is. Uh, we've got to capitalize on it and, and make it as as physical and brutal as, as we're allowed to. Yeah, um, man, I feel like I'm talking to a, like a, my, my twin or something. Most of the things you're saying are resonating with me. But um, <laughs> was it more of a roll through uh, with a spiral and a half? Like, did you roll across your back in like a crab ride? Uh, every now and then I do that or else I, I would, what I would normally do is uh, I, I use my, my, inside leg to knock his back when I had the spiral. And then uh, if he was jamming it, I'd come into a side headlock and I could go under there. Um, nice. but otherwise, I'd just keep stretching him out and tucking the head uh, until, he, until he finally went over. And then I'd change from the spiral up into cup underneath, kind of like an underhook. Uh, but yeah, I try to teach my, my nephew that. And uh, he's using it to some success in, in uh, his high school wrestling now in, in Pennsylvania. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that's just what I felt comfortable with. I'd, I'd try anything. I did cradles. Uh, uh, did a lot of, of unique stuff on my, on my feet to try to get a guy to his back. Uh, but it was, man, I'm just getting excited. I want to get back out on the mat, and I'm 50 years old right now I'm talking to you guys. Do it. It's something you still lose. Plenty of opens out there still. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that. I, I, I did, uh, after I got married, you know, and my wife knew that wrestling was such a part of my life, uh, I decided, you know, this would have been uh, up when I was up at Fort Drum, uh, around 2000 or so. Uh, I entered an open tournament up there that they happened to be having. And uh, she got to see me and I wasn't real high level freestyle tournament and uh so I pinned everybody through it but uh she got to see me wrestle and appreciate the the sport a little bit that's cool yeah yeah that's really cool so uh do you have any funny stories about um your teammates or classmates um we haven't had anyone on around your time era so feel free to call anybody out <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if the statute of limitations is up on some of the stuff, so I'll, I'll, I'll try to be, <laughs> be careful. But uh, yeah, you know, I guess the, the big thing, 
was what you did when you were away from, from the school and had those rare opportunities to, to you know, let your hair down. Uh, so when we were there, the big Christmas tournament we go to was the Sunshine Open. So we go down to Tampa, Florida. We'd stay at McDill Air Force Base and and then wrestle in that tournament and then uh, had to try to set up a duel uh, while we were down there. Uh, but we had a little time normally around New Year's to, to, to be off. And so uh, we're down there, and uh, this is my, my plea year. Uh, and we're going out to a group dinner or something, and we're on our way back. And uh, there's this girl in a Jeep that's you know, in front of us. And team captain, uh, Paul Kuznick, just a great, crazy, funny guy. And then Mike Ferrari, uh, just another you know, cut up that, 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 that those two together were just insane. Uh, so we're going along and they plot out, hey, the next red light we get to, I'm going to jump out, jump in the seat beside her. You jump out and take a picture of me. Okay, <laughs> sounds like a plan. So you walk to the light, he, Goose jumps out, jumps in, starts to give the thumbs up and ready to take the picture. The light turns green. Get in the Jeep. So he gets in the Jeep and us, you know, young girl takes off. Like, oh crap, now we got to follow him with the van. So we got, you know, the Air Force rental van. We're following him down, down the road and going right where we need to go towards McDill, you know. And so we're thinking that, hey, maybe this, you know, they, they, they talked to her and said, hey, just take us here and let us off. And be all right. So we go back and we go right through the gate. And this is before, you know, pre 9-11. So some of the gates were open, but, you know, this, this girl didn't show any ID. Just boom, we're right on in. And uh, so the band, we finally get through our checkpoint, get up to, to, to see her. And here's Coos and, and uh, Ferrari talking to her. And it turns out that it's the CG. <laughs> his daughter and uh inviting us over for for new year's uh the funny part was this was right in 1990 uh and so it was norman schwarzkopf oh. and eight months later desert storm kicks off and he becomes this you know person that everybody knows his name uh but uh yeah Coos and Ferrari got a free ride on the post with, with, with his daughter. And uh, we uh, later found out, you know, obviously that, that uh, we probably should have gone over to his house and had a couple beverages and had a little bit more of a story to tell about it. Uh, but yeah, no, that, that, there's interactions like that. I think thing that the, the wrestling team, uh, my peers and the guys around our time frame. Uh, is that once you you separate and you know got obviously a lot more social media nowadays than, than we did, uh, so you can stay in touch a little bit better. But we're historically really bad about staying in touch with each other. Uh, yeah. But it's great when you bump into someone that uh, you haven't seen for for years and you pick up right where you left off. And those friends that I had from the wrestling team, um, we had recent Zoom calls with all of us. Uh, it's just picking up exactly where we left off. Uh, these are the best friends that you will ever have. Uh, that uh, connection between them is, is so strong. Uh, you know, I, I think that the, the, the annex that we went through and uh, the shared experiences of West Point and wrestling uh, just bind you together like you, you, you wouldn't believe. And uh, I'm very thankful for, for having met them all and, and uh, such dear friends to this day. Absolutely. That was definitely one of the reasons we even started the podcast, obviously. So 
it's cool to hear that from your perspective. I mean, even when we're talking to guys that went there 30, 40 years before I did, it's like you guys went through a lot of the same exact experiences and we're all bonded in some similar fashion. So it's really cool. Yeah, well, I think they're still running the ski slope. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, a lot of the sports teams that go run Mikey Stadium, they do it once. We had to do it twice. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just uh, different things to show that uh, wrestling's wrestling's a little bit different than other sports. So you, you said that story was your plea beer. By the time you were first season, you guys realized who Norman Schwarzkopf was? <laughs> were you guys kind of, like, freaking out? or? Oh, well... Or? Yeah, it, it was just an innocent engagement. Uh, you know, if it had been something where, where we'd have been out uh, and ended up going over with them, uh, you know, that had been something to, to, to be a little bit more uh, putting on your Facebook page. But as it turns fun. out, really, really kind of ended there. But cute story of uh, how we, we interacted with them. <laughs> so after graduation, sir, you, you commissioned uh, initially as an aviation officer. You go that route for uh, a couple of years and then you move into the acquisitions uh, side of the army, which I personally, to be quite honest, don't know a ton about. Maybe just give us what that entire experience was. And I mean, you're kind of putting a cap on your military career now. So if there's any big overarching lessons that you could tell maybe a young Lieutenant or cadet that's listening to that, then they'd probably. Appreciate yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> aviation was the basic branch I chose and, Thankfully, you didn't have to have a real high GPA because of the medical qualifications, so I was able to sneak into it uh, and uh, really, really enjoyed, enjoyed flying for the first part of my career. Uh, I had a couple of maintenance units that uh, were, were great. Um, my troop command was at uh, AVOM as well. And during the end of that time period, uh, you know, and I, I actually had a 30-month, 30-consecutive-month 30 troop command, which is kind of unheard of. But nobody wanted to take over the maintenance. They always wanted the flying troops. So I'm like, hey, I'll stay here in command for as long as you'll leave me. Uh, <laughs> but, but during that time period, uh, the project product manager for the Kiowa Warrior came up to, to Fort Drum and he was making the rounds to, to see see the different units and what they thought about the, the changes that were taking place. And he had this, hey, here are the top 10 list of things that we're going to work to improve on the aircraft. And so I had myself, my QC NCO, my, uh, a couple of my, my maintenance test pilots and were listening to them like, wow, this doesn't seem like the stuff that we really want to have changed on it. So I didn't know anything about Acquisition Corps. Most people don't know anything really about Acquisition Corps, but it's, it's that uh, you know, place where the requirements and resources come together to go develop what the, the warfighter needs. And I just thought that they were a little off. So I'm like, let me look into this. Because uh, I was at that 10-year mark where you have to make kind of those decisions. And because I was a maintenance unit commander, uh, probably on the outside looking in for a squadron command at that point, you know, relative to my peers. Uh, and so uh, and the Kiowa Warriors were already starting to be rumored to be going away, so I didn't know if I'd even have aircraft uh, to, to, to be, be out there with. Uh, and really, after your captain years, you're, you're done flying. I mean, you'll see, get some some stick time as major lieutenant colonels, but really not that much. Uh, and so I started looking at what else was out there. And the acquisition corps uh, was something that I uh, was very pleased to see. Uh, again, this would have been around the 2000 time period. And we're looking at, you know, 
am I going to get out at 10 years? Am I going to maybe make it to 20? Uh, if I go acquisition, there's good transition opportunities for it if you were going to get out right then. <clears throat> uh, and uh, when I, I did get into it, I, I really enjoyed the program management aspects of it. Uh, thought I brought what the warfighter needed to those discussions of, uh, hey, Boeing, how are you making this aircraft? And you know, what is the, the, the problem with this? Or why can't we do that with it? Just really representing uh, the warfighter and the taxpayer uh, uh, from the standpoint of, of getting us the kit that we need to go and get in the hands of the guys that are pointing end of the spear doing uh, God's work out there. So uh, I really uh, gave it some thought. It was the right move for me. And then once I got into it, I, I just I just loved it. And so I spent the last 17 years of my, my career doing that. Uh, working primarily on aviation and missile programs. Uh, did some contracting stuff uh, as well, but uh, it's part of the Army that unless you run into somebody that's doing it, you're probably not going to see it. Uh, yeah. And so uh, if there is anybody out there that uh, happens to be in that position and wants to give me a holler, please do, and I'll, I'll share my experiences with you. Uh, but it's a, it's a, it's a, an un, a little bit little unknown part of the army uh, that I found very, very rewarding and others might as well. Did you ever, uh, ever think about going back to West Point and teaching or doing, I don't know if there's acquisitions? I don't know acquisition. if the Dean would have let me. I could have gone to PE maybe. Uh, I, I wasn't exactly a stellar student. Uh, I found out that, that, well, I don't even know if I tell this story, but you, <laughs> your, your cadet account, uh, I found out that all the books that you get come out that they, they, you pay cash. It comes out of your cadet account. And so my, my first year, second semester, I didn't get any books because I wanted to leave the money in that account. And I'm like, yes, I'll figure out how to get by. And uh, so, yeah, I, I was not the, the greatest of students. Um, I I'd always peak for the midterms and the finals. Uh, but again, part of that grind of wrestling, uh, just the quizzes, day to day and week to week would, would tear me up. And unlike, you know, a lot of other colleges where uh, your midterm and your final were the vast, vast majority, uh, West Point, you're getting 30, 40% of your grade is those day to day type quizzes. And I did not bode, do bode well for me. Uh, again, we're on the same wavelength. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and coin this on air right now. I'm going to call that method of trying to graduate the pinner's mentality. You just fail all of the homework assignments and all the quizzes and you go for the fall on the W on the, on the final. And it's, it's either, either get pinned or, you, or you're going to get it. So that's, that's what I did. Yeah, I did. I had one, one year of staff, but the other than that, I survived. I calculated and make the right risk reward calculations and uh, would come in just where I needed to. Exactly. <laughs> we talked about your, your kids are kind of growing up now and nephews in high school and what would maybe be your advice? And we already talked to uh, Gavin Berkeley was from your hometown and he's a Lieutenant now. Um, and I know you you mentor people. What's kind of what you tell them uh, your advice if they're thinking about going to West Point? Yeah, I'd say, um, you know, I think I mentioned how uh, I really had no experience with anybody in the military. I didn't, I didn't know 
what I was getting getting into. Uh, I didn't go for any real patriotic reasons at first. I didn't develop that type of feel until um, you know through, you know into my West Point career, and then probably uh, not truly until uh, after I was out and being a, an officer for a while. Uh, but they have to have that kind of makeup. Uh, they may not know whether or not they want to uh, be an officer or be a, a career military person, uh, but they've got to be willing to commit 100% to something uh, while they are doing it. I think uh, uh, if you get that type of a person uh, that's willing to do that, uh, then there'll be enough of them that, that will uh, make it through. We'll find that it's a good fit for them and it'll, uh, it'll you know, be good for them and, and the country. Uh, I, 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 Look back on my my West Point days uh, with you know that kind of mixed happy and, and sad type of views where uh, there there were a lot of things that were really great going through there uh, and then a lot of a lot of days it really kind of sucked going through there uh, but I don't think it's any different than, than what most uh, people that age group uh, would be going through uh, West Point presents some unique challenges. Uh, and I think if you don't have that well-balanced uh, demeanor, uh, if you can't handle stresses very well, you're not going to succeed. Uh, and so if I'm mentoring somebody that's thinking about going there, if they have any doubt that they can, they can take it, then it's probably not going to be the right place for them. Uh, it it does, does challenge you unlike any other, other school in the, in the country and uh, for the right reasons. And so I think that uh, you have to have that understanding going into it, eyes wide open. Uh, once you get in, uh, you can outwork West Point. Uh, I, I don't know of anybody there uh, that failed out or got kicked out uh, who tried as hard as they could to get through the school. Uh, the professors are there to help you. Uh, you could be a rock and, and you put your nose to the grindstone it'll be difficult a lot more difficult for you than some of the other guys that just naturally have some of that uh behind them but you can get through and and it's just a matter of persevering and and, and working your tail off to do it and i think that uh that's another part that once people get in if it's their lifelong dream to to be a commissioned officer and a graduate of west point uh, once you get in i think that you can you can make sure that that's a goal that you'll achieve yeah couldn't agree more now we really appreciate you coming on the show you know last last question we want to ask is you know since you're the first one around your era that we've had on here who do you who do you want to hear on we want we want to get more voices from uh i want to say you know not just your area but the era but they you know the 80s you know other you know other wrestlers in the 90s we have a lot of listeners in, that, that recently graduated they want to hear from you guys so you know if there's anybody you can shout out yeah, uh, I think it, uh, you know, Doug McCormick uh, was a, a cadet first captain, uh, was the uh, first captain in my uh, yuck year. Uh, he was a team wrestling captain uh, his first year. Uh, done a lot uh, great things uh, since he's, he left the military. Uh, be a very interesting person to talk to. Uh, his brother also is a West Point graduate. Uh, a couple books that he's written that are out there. Uh, and uh, just a very accomplished person. Um, uh, he's also got some probably interesting stories too from our, our trips down to, to, to Tampa and the uh, Sunshine <laughs> Open down there. <laughs> yeah, 
Brad Fenske was there while I was there, and he ended up, I think, going on. He was the wins leader uh, for, for a while. Uh, I think Philip Simpson came a little bit later, uh, probably be another person to, to, to talk with. Uh, and then I've got, you know, Nick Malden uh, was uh, somebody that uh, was uh, there during my time frame that probably be, probably be an interesting person to talk to who's just finished up his career as well uh, within the last couple of years. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I, I think uh, if you just look through the, the, the wrestling book, uh, see who was on the teams. You can't go wrong. Uh, just grab somebody and uh, they'll either have great stories about their, their wrestling times or their military career. Uh, you know, I, again, when we, we had our, our most recent Zoom calls with my, my around my year groups, uh, boy, was it refreshing to hear these guys talk and you, you'll get some flashbacks to stories. Uh, Ross Walker uh, has a bunch of pictures and so he's holding them up to the Zoom camera and showing, showing them uh, to everybody. I don't even remember cameras being around. Back then. <laughs> you know, who was taking these pictures? And somehow Ross Walker in his basement, he and Mike Schewing, Mike Schewing, another guy that all of a sudden he's, we're on the Zoom call and he's emailing, texting all these pictures that he's got. <laughs> like, you had the damn camera. You know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, that was pretty uh, shocking with Mr. Steenlidge. He had some photos from back then. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, he, that was a great, great interview. He uh, it was good hearing him uh, talk and uh, his yeah, story from that perspective. Well, if you guys got some photos, you can get over me. I'll put them up on the on the site for everybody to see. All right, I'll see if uh, we have any that are acceptable. Yeah, nothing from the Sunshine Open. <laughs> I was like, that's where all the dirty work happened. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was a good time. Well, you got anything else for us before we hop off? Oh, no, just again, uh, anything we do to promote Army wrestling, I'm all, all there for it. Uh, we actually had uh, Coach Ward and Coach Effner on our last Zoom call with our, our, uh, my classmates in, in that time period, and it was just great to hear them. Uh, so it's uh, uh, been, been good to take advantage of, you know, social media things we've got, and it's kept me in touch with some folks that, I probably would have never seen again or might not ever see again. Uh, so I thank you for, for spearheading this and, and doing what you guys are doing. Again, keep it up and uh, I'll, I'll shoot you some, some additional names and pictures. Uh, you can do with them what you, what you wish. Awesome, appreciate it. Thanks, sir. Yeah, thanks for coming on. <laughs> All right, guys. All Take right. care. Beat Navy. <laughs> Eat them. Thanks for tuning in to the B-Hall Radio Show. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and leave us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. If there's something you'd like to hear on a future show, reach out to us on any of our social media, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Or you can reach us at email, bhaw.radio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And as always, go Army, be Navy.